Welcome back to The Digital Dive, a conversation about tech. My name is Jacqueline. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Darsh. I'm your other host. This week, we're talking about the Google Pixel 6 and some 6 Pro rumors, Oxygen OS and ColorOS and their recent, I guess, merger, Twitter getting rid of fleets, and the future of Skype. It's kind of a loaded episode. If you like what you hear this episode, make sure you hit the follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and make sure that you get notified of every episode, and it also helps get the show to more people. Thank you. Let's roll the intro. You've used more Google Pixels than I have in that sense. I mean, you've used most of them, if not all of them, and I haven't used any of them. In a general sense, what is your overall take on the Google Pixel lineup of phones? I feel like Google was in their stride when they had the Nexus devices, and that was kind of in the beginning of our careers. I feel like the 6P and the 5 were super popular, and basically it would be Google working with a manufacturer to manufacture the hardware of the device, and then they would be giving like creative input and obviously marketing the device, but also like consulting throughout the process to make sure it was kind of like relating to their vision and giving the OEMs support on what was best for the product. But now Google has fully taken all the hardware stuff underneath their wing with the Pixel lineup. So that was like the transition period. They've kind of been met with mixed feedback. I feel like they couldn't find their stride because the cameras are really good, but they weren't really that mainstream and they weren't doing an excellent job marketing them or figuring out the value prop. And then in the last couple of years, they started offering a budget Pixel, starting with like, I think the Pixel 3a. And that was one of the most best-selling phones of the year. Then we got the Pixel 4a. And now their like quote unquote flagship phone last year was more of a mid-ranger in terms of the price range. So I think that they're trying to figure out what their stride is, but also like pixels are meant to kind of like be a showcase of Android and what Google's vision for Android is. And when you do a mid-range phone, it means that you can't like fully show Android because you don't have all the best specs. So I'm kind of excited to see what they end up doing with the Pixel 6. I know that you were just filling me in about some rumors for the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro. The designs that front page tech posted actually look pretty cool. Like the renders, it's out there, but I'm kind of a fan. Absolutely. I agree with you. The Nexus 6P was actually a phone that I did have. I used that as my daily driver for, I think, probably approximately a year and a half. I genuinely love the device. And I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I do miss it. It was such a beautiful and well-made device. Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro both look very, very interesting. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen these renders yet, I highly recommend do a quick Google search, check them out. They look really cool. But if I can explain it to you in the simplest way possible, it looks like we're getting a glass back with an aluminum or a steel frame around it with a black bar, similar to what we've already experienced in some other phones that will be kind of with the camera modules. And then on the top, you have an accent color. In this case, from the renders, it's showing us orange, which to me, actually, I think it looks kind of cool. I'm really here for it. Yeah, dude, I feel like Luke would love it. Little known fact for everyone, Luke Preparatory, team member, Digital Dive, our editor, he loves Google. One of his favorite colors is like this red, like for dive, it's like a really deep red. I kind of feel like this would be on par with his aesthetic. It's definitely a statement color. It would be interesting if they also offer some other ones, but Google does a really interesting job with like offering a plethora of colors and then naming them really well, like kind of orange or something like that. So I'm kind of really also excited to see what the naming scheme is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the one thing that I can always trust with Google when it comes to their new flagships or just any new phone that they do bring out. Mostly just because like they always want to like make it really kind of funny in a sense, like kind of orange or like somewhat blue, stuff like that. Like those kind of like accent additions to it. I just always think that's kind of cool. So I'll be interested to see if they do change this accent color from the orange. I would love to see a blue or maybe even a yellow. I actually rock a yellow iPhone XR right now. Like that's my go-to. I just like the colorful phone designs. Maybe that's just me. No, I feel like most people like that, but also like most people 
most people put cases on their phone. So most people don't even actually see the design, even though it's something that is like so covered in the tech community. Exactly. That's, that's, that's huge. Like I never use a case with my phone and my phone definitely has the battle scars to prove it. Talking about the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro. So we do actually have a rumored spec list, which I'm just going to run you guys through real quick. So they're of course going to be out of the box running Android 12. We're going to have the Pixel 6 at 6.4 inches AMOLED display, 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gig or 256 gig storage capacities, as well as two cameras, a 50 megapixel wide and a 12 megapixel ultra wide, an 8 megapixel front camera and a 4600 milliamp hour battery. However, the Google Pixel 6 Pro is rumored to have an Android 12 6.71 inch AMOLED display, 12 gigs of RAM, 128, 256 and 512 storage capacities and three cameras, a 50 megapixel wide, 48 megapixel telephoto and a 12 megapixel ultra wide with a 12 megapixel front camera and a 5000 milliamp hour battery. So there's definitely no doubt here the Pixel 6 Pro is going to be the spec beast this year. One of the things that Google has been doing over the past couple of years and as Jacqueline already touched on is the fact that in the past they've been kind of coming out with more mid-range devices and not really headed for that top tier market but from what it seems here it seems like we can definitely expect a higher end Google Pixel for this year at least. That's just from what I've been seeing but with the combination of what seems to be glass and stainless steel or even aluminum it just seems like it's they're headed towards more of a premium design focus which also means it's also going to include wireless charging and all those cool accessories by having a glass back, which I'd be really excited to see. Dude, totally. I feel like these last couple months have been so dull in the tech space. There has not been any like major phone launches. Darsh and I really have to spend a lot of time like figuring out topics for the podcast. The videos on the channel have been much more like story focused. I'm just so excited to see another phone come out. Normally we have all the note devices at this time. So it's like a much bigger stretch of time than normal. But yeah, dude, I'm just excited. I I feel like Google really was doing a good job with the Nexus lineup and people really loved them and kind of adored the phone. I also really love Pixels, but there's obviously been like the value prop issues, but also like slowdowns over time. So I'm really hoping that they nail that. It seems like there's a lot of RAM, so that should help. And I think that the design just looks super unique. A lot of phones really look like each other. This does not. If you want to check out more, like John Prosser is the one that brought this to the news. It's an exclusive and he obviously rendered the product as well. Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things actually that's been in the rumor mill that I found on Tom's guide was specifically a new chipset that Google is going to be designing. So it seems like Google is really coming into the game, trying to kind of go against Apple and their own in-house made silicon. They're working on a Google designed, and this is the code name I'm assuming, Whitechapel chipset. So rather than using the Snapdragon 888 found in the leading Android phones like the S21, OnePlus 9 Pro, it would be more like an iPhone in the sense that they'd be able to control both the performance and the software. So hardware and software in combination with one another to offer just a overall better performance and responsive pixel experience. So I'm really, really excited to see if Google does come out with this. I have never seen Google make a chipset. I don't think anyone has. So it would be really, really cool to see them putting their name in the game, kind of just try to get in the ring and see if they could really knock one out. And I, I'd just be really, really interested to see that. Dude, me too. We're seeing a lot of manufacturers really wanting all of the control of their product and to bring it in-house and to have like the assembly line be a little bit more vertical. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see if Google can execute on that. Obviously, Apple has had tremendous success with Apple Silicon and obviously like A14 and all of their chips. So yeah, it's going to be exciting to see another player in the game. I, I'd be really, really excited to see how this goes. Right now, we're looking at a potential launch date of sometime in October. That's usually around the time that Google 
sequel does come out. But it would be really cool to see. I mean, of course, other than what I've already mentioned, you can already expect like 5G, Wi-Fi 6E support, some form of IP68 or IP some certification as well. Just from the renders though, like this device has me very, very excited. So I'm really excited to get my hands on it and check it out because this is definitely going to be something I'm going to be looking into whenever it is released. Techtober, I'm very excited. Dude, Techtober, it's my favorite time of the year. It's also incredibly hectic. I'm really excited because I feel like this year has just been so weird. Like I don't, Darsh, am I alone in that? Or do you kind of feel like there's been a lot less tech in the last three months of 2021, like March to now? Well, that's the thing, right? Like we're still in a pandemic. And so I feel like last year in 2020, we were seeing a lot more products that were already finished pre-pandemic. Yeah. And now that we've been in the pandemic for a while, a lot of companies have kind of slowed down their production. They've slowed down just how much they've been doing. And a lot of companies now, for the most part, have just gotten back into full swing of things. So I feel like there's going to be a lot more delays this year. So I'm hoping that by the end of this year, or maybe even early next year, we'll be seeing a lot. And I mean, a lot more devices coming out, especially with things like probably CES is probably going to be in person next year. So events like that are definitely going to make a huge, huge impact into how we'll be able to do that. Yeah, dude, I think so. It's been a year and a half now in the pandemic. Everything that we're seeing now has probably been like worked on during the pandemic. So I think that it's just harder. There's been like the chip shortages and stuff. But from a tech perspective of just wanting to consume content and make content like October is just like the month. And I'm so excited for everything that we have planned for then. Obviously, like the podcast will be super stacked. In some news that's been a little bit more controversial, last episode, we reported on OnePlus essentially becoming a sub-brand of Oppo, like merging with them. Obviously, OnePlus is already kind of involved with Oppo because they shared a lot of like the parent company and the same hardware. And one of the executives at OnePlus was talking a bit about like what this actually meant because a lot of people were super apprehensive about what a merger could mean. Initially, it was talked about how the software would stay super separate and Oxygen OS would be different. And now there's been reports that Oxygen OS is going to be merged with color OS in order for OnePlus to provide three years of Android updates, which people are not taking that well. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't know how I feel about this either. I feel like when OnePlus and Oppo decided they were going to be, I guess, quote unquote, integrating itself within each other, I always thought that like OnePlus would still stay separate from Oppo. I thought they would do a very good job at that. And I guess I was completely wrong on that front because it seems like the Oxygen OS and color OS, like because they're going to be mixing, like we're going to be seeing very similar devices coming out of both OnePlus and Oppo. At least that's from what, like, what I'm thinking. If they're going to be integrating this closely, creating the same OS operating system, like what are the odds that the product isn't going to be different? Like what, what's the odds that the product's going to actually have any different, like any proper differentiating factors? I feel like Oppo is going to try to dominate more of the Asian market and then OnePlus is going to dominate, try to dominate more of the North American market. And I feel like they're just going to try to do a divide and conquer in that sense, which is going to be kind of cool to see, I guess, in some sense, the same way some cars are only available over the pond, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. And it's the Brits call it. <laughs> On the other side of the world, we'll see cars that are unavailable here and then, or even phones. And then now on this side, like we're potentially going to be seeing like a different, I don't know. This entire thing has me a little, I don't want to say sus, but it has me a little suspect of like kind of what's going on on their front and like what they'd be kind of doing. So I'll be interested to see any more developments on this going forward. Here's my take on it. I feel like, like everything you said, Darsh, I'm aligned with of like trying to get those different markets, but I feel like OnePlus is so good at branding that people didn't necessarily suspect, like people didn't know that they had ties to a much bigger manufacturer, it kind of seemed like they were the underdog. And in a way they were because they had like only a fraction of the budget and a smaller team, et cetera. But they have been part of a bigger company since day one. It's not like that's surprising that they're doing this merger, in my opinion. That said, like a lot of the identity that they had as a company with Never Settle and creating a phone that's like $300 that is as good as a flagship has just changed a lot in the last six years. Like they're not the company that they once were. They're now a company that means Never Settle in terms of like, it's a $1,000 phone, 
but you're going to get a lot for your money. And I feel like they've been hedging against the fact that people maybe aren't that into that by also offering the Nord lineup, which is like a cheaper phone, but it's not trying to be a flagship killer because now they have a flagship and they don't want to kill their own flagship. So this has been coming for a while of like them transitioning their brand image. And I just feel like this is another one, but Oxygen OS is one of the main reasons why people buy OnePlus phones. It's really close to stock Android. Traditionally, some phones from like the more Asian markets have like more skin software. So I think that people are a little nervous about what this actually means for Oxygen OS. Like, are the aesthetics going to change? We obviously don't know yet because we haven't seen it, but the major upside is that it's going to get three years of updates, which is a pretty big deal. Flagship phones that include like the TNR models will get three major updates and four security updates, four years meaning. And then the Nord and Nord SE or Nord CE rather get two major updates and then three years of security and then the Nord N phones get one major update and three years of security. So mainly the flagship phones are getting the most benefit here, but BBK obviously is like the overhead and I don't know, from a team perspective, it probably makes sense to not have like two teams of 100 people developing software if you could just merge the two. But on the other hand, like their brand identities are very different. Like when I think of Oppo, I don't think of the same things at all that I think about OnePlus. Like OnePlus, you kind of think like cult following, community focused on like enthusiasts and and also like good value for your money. Yeah, dude, I don't know. Over time, OnePlus has kind of been losing their core fan base in return for becoming like more of a general phone. I just don't know how long that's going to last or if they're going to be able to transition who they are as a brand. I guess we will see, right? I mean, OnePlus has become a lot more mainstream and that does happen as a company does end up growing and like naturally over time, like they've been able to amass like a, you're right, like a cult following. As much as that cult following might be kind of tapering off a bit, it could be interesting to see how they do it. I mean, OnePlus has reported that you won't be able to tell that Oxygen OS 12 is based on the same code as ColorOS. So it'll be cool to see if they're actually able to live up to that. At the same time, it's just, it's a little too sketchy for me. Like there's something else going on here. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's that possibly. I want to make clear, like it's a software merge on the back end. The back end and what users actually get as the end customer experience can be very different. So this may be something that we don't even notice, but a lot of like how independent OnePlus is, is kind of like shrouded in mystery. It's unclear how independent they are from BBK. And it's always been kind of unclear of like how involved they are. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, like because they have this bigger brand support them, they're able to take more risks and offer like the cheaper phones. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if you're a OnePlus fan, definitely let us know on Twitter if you want to at Digital Dive Pod, if like you're happy about this change, if you don't care, if you've already stopped buying OnePlus phones because the mission statement's different now, that would be super helpful for us to know. While you do that, the actual ask that we're going to make, Darsh and I have just set a goal of hitting 150 ratings on Apple Podcasts before the end of the year. For you guys that don't know, Darsh and I have been doing this podcast since the beginning of the pandemic, actually, so about a year and a half now, which is just horrifying to think about. But every single week we've been posting episodes. Recently, I would say in the last like eight months, we've been super consistent every single Monday, and we've absolutely love doing it, but we want to keep growing this community of people that really enjoy tech. And the best way to do that for us is to get ratings. I guess like that just puts you higher in the algorithm. So if you enjoy the episodes, it would mean a lot to us if you rated the podcast. And if we get 150 ratings by the end of the year, we're going to host like a live chat, video chat with digital dive listeners to answer questions and celebrate. So help us hit that goal by rating us right now. And we're going to take a quick break to get some cold brew. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about a Twitter feature that's getting the axe and a crucial update to Skype. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
right, everybody, welcome back from the break. I do hope that you guys got something to drink. Ideally, a shot of espresso. Maybe that's just my take on it. Jacqueline, I actually didn't tell you this, so I got a new espresso machine. I've been wanting to tell you about this on the podcast, so like you can get everyone's live reaction. Yeah, dude, wait, I, I've been seeing your Instagram stories. What is it? We found a Breville Barista Express on sale for like, I think it was like three, 400 bucks off. Wow. So we just had to pick it up. It is a absolute beast of a coffee machine. Now, when I say beast, I mean it is a beast because so for one on the top, it has a burger grinder. So it has a compartment that you store the beans in. And then you basically put the portafilter into this compartment and you just push and it literally dispenses the exact amount of beans you need for one shot or two shots, depending on which button you press. Then you move it onto the other side and you can click one or two shots. And it has a pressure gauge to show you how well you're making your espresso. So the more that you hit it, like the closer you hit it in line with the middle section of the espresso range, you're getting better and better espresso. That's what you're working towards. You have all these different adjustments. You can adjust how much grinds come out if you want extra or less. You can adjust how finely ground the beans are going to be. There's just so much customization with it and a ton of extra tools and accessories. Fantastic. I'm still figuring it out. It's a lot to work with. Dude, that's so cool. It's definitely, it's a really, really cool machine. And I'm so excited we finally got one. How much was it? So in Canada, Canadian, the on sale, they were selling it for $720. And then we found a 20% off coupon. Plus I get a 20% off student discount on top of that. So I brought it down to like 400 something, 500 something. That's like not that bad for an espresso machine. For a high-end espresso machine, it's very, very much worth it. I would say it's very, very much worth it. Gave it as a gift to my dad for Father's Day, a little bit late, of course, but still, nonetheless. <laughs> like we told him we were going to get it. We were trying to find it. And then we just found it now. And we're like, okay, we just got to buy it. We bought it. Definitely a cool investment. Something cool that I'm going to be learning a lot with. Maybe making some cool B-roll shots of. I don't know. We'll figure that out. Dude, I would love to see that. If we ever have an office for the podcast, we just like need that. If we get a podcast office, like we're dishing out the big bucks. We're going to get one of those machines that does everything for us. Tap of the button. Ooh. Oh my God. Yes. Like one button and it'll make your espresso for you. Two buttons and it's a cappuccino, whatever it is. Yeah, dude, that machine that's like two grand. I love that machine. I was visiting a friend this weekend and they had the machine. Did they actually? It was amazing. Did it taste as good as you think it would? I didn't know what to expect. I didn't ask for like a cappuccino today. I just asked for straight espresso and it was phenomenal. But also like espresso isn't just how you make it. It's also the beans that you do get. The beans this guy had were fantastic. So I definitely, definitely need to go pick those ones up. They're a little pricey, but I'm excited. Honestly, like one day if we have the podcast office, we just like need like a full area dedicated to just like giant fridge with cold brew, then like an espresso, cappuccino, bunch of different beans from different YouTubers. And like, we just have to set that up. Why are you talking about like, a fridge filled with cold brew. I'm thinking like a cold brew tap, like a beer tap, but with cold brew. Oh my in it. God. Like that's what yes. I'm thinking. Like the same way Peter has like set up in his office, like he switches out for either beer or cold brew. But not nitro, dude. Not nitro. Never nitro. Nitro is the worst. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Someone tweeted me this week and they were like, oh, I tried cold brew because of you. And I was so stoked. And then I opened up the picture and it was nitro cold brew. And they were like, it was amazing. And I was like, oh God, like this is terrible. Like I don't. I just can't get past the smell. It's really just a smell. Like, to me, it smells like farts. Like it straight up, straight up smells like farts. Like, like I don't know what it is about it. It just smells like farts to me. I'm not about it. But speaking of something that's smelling like farts, I want to talk about Twitter fleets. <laughs> that was terrible. Oh my God. I mean, it is definitely, for lack of a better word, it's a, it's a piece of crap because clearly Twitter's getting rid of it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not the move. So basically Twitter came out with fleets several months back saying that they wanted to offer this feature that would help continuing to help people communicate better. And one thing that I really do appreciate about Twitter is their willingness to try new features. They tried the thing where when you hit the retweet button, it would do an automatic quote tweet instead of a retweet. And they were like, oh, maybe this will help facilitate conversation. Then it was horrible because no one wanted to quote tweet. They just wanted 
to actually tweet. So they got rid of that feature and they were like, yeah, it did not do our intended thing. So I, what I really appreciate is their willingness to like be like, we screwed up. We thought this was going to do something and it didn't. And that's basically what they're saying about fleets. So fleets was like an Instagram story ripoff. I think sometimes companies get caught up in keeping up with the Joneses. Like, oh, Clubhouse has this audio feature. Now we got to add that to Discord and to Twitter spaces and probably Instagram eventually. Like, don't you kind of feel like sometimes companies add features just so they can say they have them? Well, I mean, there's two things to that. So Clubhouse, for example, is literally an app with a feature. Like it's one feature. That's the entire purpose of the app. So when Twitter was like, okay, we're going to create Twitter spaces, it makes sense because Twitter's entire like mission statement is to start and create more conversations. I mean, that's pretty much what it is in a nutshell. When they came out with fleets from an article I read from The Verge with an interview from some representatives from Twitter, they were saying we were hoping that people would feel more comfortable joining the conversation with tweets on Flitter. (laughs) <laughs> with fleets on Twitter. I literally botched that so bad. No, it's great. They wanted to pretty much have an increase in number of people just kind of joining in different conversations, but clearly they struggled with that and it didn't work as well as they planned to. But Spaces was a perfect opportunity for that because it was literally just creating a discord, like creating a full conversation that anyone can kind of just pop into and then they have an opportunity to speak. Fleets may have not gone as well, but maybe space as well, but definitely fleets were not the move. I remember when they first came out, like you and me messaged each other. We're like, do you see this new feature? Like, yeah. I was like, is it good? I was like, no. I was like, how long is it going to last? I don't know. <laughs> it was designed terribly. Like, and it still to this day, it was so much more glitchy than Instagram stories. I never wanted to use it because of that reason. And also like, there's just too much content to consume. Like I'm on Instagram and there's posts and there's stories. And then I'm on Twitter and there's spaces and there's tweets. Like to have to like go through fleets at the top just felt like a chore versus something that I wanted to do. Like mindlessly scrolling was not fun with fleets because it was not that well optimized and someone actually asked twitter why they got rid of it and they said we hope fleets would encourage people to join the conversation we're moving it and focusing on other parts of twitter so it'll be interesting to see like what they focus on i think honestly it's a smart move not to like have fleets because i think that it takes away obviously like there has to be a full team working on it i bet there's infrastructure things and people are like all right just do the edit button and it seems like twitter is just not going to do the edit button anytime soon I don't know. Twitter is an interesting platform because they let a lot of content on the platform that a lot of other social media platforms don't allow. And I feel like Twitter is also one of the few platforms where you don't get rewarded. Like there's not like the pretty privilege where like you're not rewarded if you're super attractive like you are on like Instagram or YouTube or TikTok. Like you're really rewarded if like your mind's attractive, like if you're witty and smart and stuff. And that's like one of the only social media platforms where I feel like that's true. Like on all the other platforms, it's a combination of like how you look and if you're good. But Twitter, it's like your writing has to stand on its own. Oh, absolutely. I think the funniest thing though is like, so when Twitter announced this, they're like, we're moving fleets on August 3rd, working on some new stuff. We're sorry. Or you're welcome. I thought that was so funny. That's so funny. because It's like they're admitting the fault. They're admitting that like, there was an issue here. Like no one liked fleets, like clearly. But I feel like the real conversation that they have to start having is like the fact that a month ago, they started an experiment where they were going to add advertisements, like full screen advertisements, the same way Instagram does to their fleets feature. So I wonder now with all those advertisers that have probably signed contracts or signed something to work with Twitter, what are they going to do now? Like they probably have advertising agreements. Like what's Twitter going to do? They were promised full screen advertisements that will get everyone's attention. Like what now? next because I kind of axed this feature now like well what's gonna go on right honestly dude I don't know like Spotify right now is making major plays in the podcast industry obviously they bought Call Her Daddy for like 60 million dollars and that's like another company that is trying out all these other features like kind of like the clubhouse like audio interface I don't know what's gonna happen with it time will tell 
what happens when a company shuts down a feature. But going back to Twitter with fleets, I think another reason why it wasn't successful is like when you're on Twitter, you're not looking to consume like visual snackable content. Like there are some photos and stuff, but like mainly you're looking to consume threads or like talk to people. So it just kind of feels like the wrong play on Twitter. I think that they would actually be maybe a little bit better suited working on other like tweet features. For example, not compressing video, really like doubling down on what they're already really good at, which is like connecting people and communicating. Sometimes companies try to do like too many things and it ends up being to their detriment. On a related note, Darsh, have you been trying out YouTube shorts at all? I actually have not. I've been seeing though, like I think Peter came out with a video last week or earlier this week yeah. where he was talking about Instagram reels, YouTube shorts and TikTok, seeing what like the future of like content creation kind of was in the sense like raw versus dolled up video. And I think it was actually a really interesting conversation. I'd highly recommend you guys go check it out if you guys haven't watched it already. Really good video and he kind of breaks it all down really well. I thought it was just a pretty good video. I liked it. So I don't use TikTok. Obviously, Darsh, are you, do you actually still have TikTok on your phone? Sadly, yes. It's a lot of what I watch. You, oh, okay. I thought you deleted it. I did. I deleted it end of March when I was studying for finals and then I redownloaded it when I moved home. And yeah, <laughs> no, it's a lot of what I use my phone for. Maybe a year and a half ago, I was like trying to get into it before I decided like, let me just put all my eggs like in trying to build the other aspects of the business. But the first night I downloaded it, I downloaded it at 8 p.m. And then I was on until 1 a.m. Like I wasted legit five hours of time and I could not tell you what I watched. I did not get any value from it. I was like simply like addicted, mindlessly scrolling because all the videos, the algorithm is picking it for you. Like one second, you'd be seeing like a super happy video. And then the next second, there would be like a video reporting on a devastating thing that happened. So it was like your emotions were constantly like change within five seconds because the algorithm is deciding to show you the content you don't say yes or no so i ended up deleting it not that i like don't appreciate tiktok i definitely do but i'm obviously on youtube all the time so lately i've been watching shorts because i'm already on the platform and i see one that interests me like maybe i get recommended a lot of like how i met your mother related shorts so like i click on one of them and then you just scroll and you mindlessly scroll and i'm noticing the same thing like i am wasting so much more time with shorts like i'm on the platform much longer with youtube shorts than i am with regular youtube because with regular youtube yeah there's a recommendation thing but at the end of the day like you're ultimately picking to click on the video whereas with shorts you're not so not only are you like really at the mercy of like whatever the algorithm shows you like you can end up seeing something super funny or super disturbing or boring but also like you're seeing so many different pieces of content that it can affect your attention span and it also like just keeps you on a lot longer so i don't know if there's like a net positive to the fact that we're moving in a direction where every social media tries to be everything like i can't just go on youtube now and just enjoy it for the long form content like now there's short form content mixed in and i can like choose not to watch it but i don't necessarily like have the self-control like if i see something interesting i click on it so i don't know what do you think darsh like do you think that there's room for a social media company to come in and blow up that has no vc backing no funding etc or do you kind of feel like now we're in the spot where all these other big players are just going to keep stealing the features and becoming the place to go? I think it's going to be a mix of both. I think there's definitely going to be something that comes out of nowhere that really like takes it to a new level. Like TikTok was one of those things that really did take it to a new level because their algorithm is unparalleled to anything else on any other platform. Whether or not we want to admit it or not, YouTube, I think it was an Instagram executive pretty much came forward and was like, oh yeah, so we think that like TikTok is kind of like next level in a sense, because they were saying that like this, the one thing that really sets it apart is that algorithm, which is just bonkers good. It's bonkers good. Like you're right. It takes you through the emotions, but it also like really, really picks up like on what you like. One day I'll be watching all comedy skits and the next day I'll like, I'll like one thirst trap on TikTok and then all my entire feed's thirst traps. And I'm like, oh wow, this is going down a weird spiral. Okay, we're trying to go, like, try to find new things to like so I can trick the algorithm to bring me back to another side. Like there's so many just different sides of TikTok. A friend of mine was showing me grass TikTok. What is that? It's literally people just like showcasing like really, really nice grass, like really nice lawns. Oh my God, dude, wait. 
I just randomly saw that there's like a YouTube channel that like gained a hundred thousand subscribers overnight that does like lawn makeovers. Yeah, it's it's like video ASMR. I guess it's like a niche. It's it's really interesting, but I, I think you do definitely do bring up a good point. Like there are a lot of social media platforms that have kind of taken a hit, or like new ones at least that have taken a hit because like other big companies are kind of taking in features, and there's not many companies that can kind of break that barrier to entry and just kind of enter and then be kind of a little unscathed. Like TikTok is one of those examples where literally they kind of came into the scene and now they're not really as much of a worry. That's actually funny enough because a a lot of newer social media apps are dying, but there's even an old one that's going to start dying out sometime soon. And I don't know if you guys even still use this. Skype, for example? Yeah. I don't know if you guys were watching the Windows 11 launch or like the unveiling. I know Jack and I both did. And one of the things that stood out to us was the fact that Microsoft Teams is now going to be the default like video calling messaging app on Windows, which I think is for one, really, really bad branding. Like Microsoft, you could have done anything else. Microsoft messages would have been better, mm -hmm. but okay. Microsoft Teams, sure, we'll stick with it. But this is going to be the first iteration of Windows that isn't going to have Skype default already on the platform. So it, it's pretty easy to see here that Windows those plans on kind of pushing out Skype over the next couple of years. It's so weird because they bought them for like $8.5 billion, right? Yeah. I wonder maybe if they've like used the technology to make Microsoft Teams, but I feel like Skype just has so much of a better brand name. People know them. There's like the nostalgic value. Then Microsoft Teams. Like I had a Microsoft Teams call two days ago with a company that I'm working with. And it just sucks, dude. Like if you don't have the application on your computer, then you have to like join via the web app. And the gallery view is super glitchy. So like I was making, I hit the gallery view to like see if the framing was proper and stuff on mine. And it was like five seconds delayed from what I was saying. So then that like threw me off. I don't know like if maybe that was just a connection issue on my end, but I just feel like it's not as good. Like Google Meets is kind of great, even though I feel like Zoom is like the option of choice. Google Meet is pretty good as well. And it like can auto add an invite to your calendar, which is super convenient. I think there's a huge advantage there. But I feel like Microsoft is like really putting themselves behind by starting this new Microsoft Teams instead of just sticking with Skype. Well, I mean, I feel like that's twofold. Like if you look at it, when the pandemic hit, that was literally Microsoft's chance to be like, all right, guys, everyone jump to Skype. Yeah. No, they didn't do that. They let Zoom they fully <laughs> take over. For a little bit of history, just a little bit of a history lesson. Almost two decades ago, or actually now two decades ago, Microsoft Teams was initially unveiled. Then then after a while, I think it was after two, three years, Skype came out. And at that point, Microsoft was like, okay, we got competitors. And eventually they ended up buying over the entire platform. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if under the hood of Teams, there was a lot of Skype technology probably there. And I think that this is their way of rebranding it because after Zoom kind of took over, everyone just kind of, for lack of better words, everyone just kind of shat on Skype. They're like, Skype sucks. Why would I use Skype? I'd rather just use Zoom. When it comes to Skype, it is a old platform that has now been kind of phased out and it's not necessarily as bleeding edge, I guess, as like they'd want it to be, or they just haven't updated it. I would have thought that like... This would have been a cool opportunity for them to rebrand Skype, make Skype the main head of everything. But I guess after multiple years of just not being able to do much with Skype, they've been forced to move into Teams. I think bad move. I think they should have just renamed Teams altogether. I feel like that would have been more of like a standout thing Agreed. than just saying that Teams were going to be now more integrated. But Microsoft's marketing team, like reach out, man. I, I got a ton of ideas for you guys. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I kind of feel like Teams is a smart name. If you were trying to market this to just like businesses, like kind of a good name. But because now it's like just a video platform of choice for Microsoft, like Windows, Teams is dumb. I'm not on a team with my grandma, but if I'm calling her on Microsoft Teams, like if I want to video chat with her, it's just like weird that that would be the platform. And Darsh, tell me if I'm wrong about this. I think that Google Meets is like 
generally a better platform than Zoom because you don't need to download anything and it immediately integrates into Google Calendar. But people are still like universally, the majority of people are using Zoom just because like it's the industry standard now. So it's going to be really hard for another company to come in that also requires you to download an app. No, literally. To get the best experience. The competitive advantage is like you don't need to download an app like Google Meets and it still works really well versus like, oh, you don't need to download an app, but like the web experience isn't that great. So I don't know. What do you like if you were on Microsoft's marketing team, what would you do to market Microsoft Teams aside from like change the name? Like what would be like the competitive advantage of the product? Well, one of the things I would want to do with Microsoft Teams for one would just be making it a lot more versatile and just, I guess, more fun messaging app. The thing with Microsoft is that they've been bouncing between being full, like business centric focused kind of design and like everything that's always, they've always been focused on like being very business centric. Now they're taking this attempt to kind of make it more generalized, making Teams more of a regular everyday kind of consumer item. But the issue with that is by calling it Teams, you're immediately making everyone associate it with businesses. But then they go on the opposite flip end of it with Windows 11 or like, we want this to be the hub for creators. Like they're trying to make it go on both ends and it's just kind of conflicting. So I feel like making teams, for example, maybe easier to connect with new people, like creating it more into a social networking app where you can like meet new people, create new opportunities for people. I feel like that's the, that would be the cool opportunity there, or the differentiation there. Totally agree. Time will just tell what happens, but I think that that is definitely like good insight of product market fit. Honestly, I think it's super important for Skype to consider a company that I think kills product market fit is Yes Theory. And they're actually my first thing for stuff we like this week. If you're new to the podcast, this is a segment of the show where Darsh and I talk about stuff that we like this week, content from creators, products, etc. So my first one is a YouTube channel called Yes Theory. They basically have the philosophy that like the best experiences in life come when you put yourself outside of your comfort zone. I like have been a fan of their content for years, but recently, like in the last week, I have just like watched so many videos again and they're just like, they kill the storytelling. I love their message. I think that they're an example of a creative team that really has like their why statement. You can attach to it and you can build a community around it because it's super clear. That's actually a very, very good stuff we like this week. Yes Theory is a fantastic, fantastic channel. They always have a ton of really, really cool content. So that's definitely a really good one. I'll definitely have to check out recent stuff. I haven't been watching them in a while. My first stuff we like this week or stuff I like this week, it's a song. It's by Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber called Stay. They've been like teasing it on TikTok for like at least a month or it was leaked out at least a month or two ago. And then I recently found out that Charlie Puth was the producer producer and writer for it. Just overall song was amazing. I think it's probably the song of the summer. In my opinion, that and Peaches by Justin Bieber. I I just really like Justin Bieber. Anyway, Peaches and Stay, both really, really cool songs. Stay in specific. If you guys haven't heard it already, it's by Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Fantastic song, guys. Go check it out. Dude, I feel like I'm like so like culturally out of the loop sometimes because I don't have TikTok. So like I heard the song, but I had no idea that it was being teased for like a month or two. Like was it Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber teasing it or was it like fellow creators like dancing to it? What was it? Well, it seemed like there was a leak of the song. I'd imagine they probably leaked it themselves just because like, it's just easy to get like kind of hype like that. Okay. And it was just like Kid Leroy's like bridge for the song into like the chorus. So you heard like kind of what was the hype behind it, but you never actually heard the full song. It was just like people doing dances or people like putting it in the background of different videos. And it was just doing really, really well because everyone's like, this is a leaked Kid Leroy song. Like, this is going to be dope. Like Kid Leroy just drop it. Literally so many of the TikToks were literally just tagging Kid Leroy being like, yo, drop this song. I want to hear it. That's sick. Yeah, dude, TikTok like for music marketing, is just like a whole different level. Oh, absolutely. All right, my next one for this week is a YouTuber named Jack Edwards. He's part of like BookTube, they call it, which is like YouTubers that make videos about books. And he's British, I think. He's definitely from Europe because he has an accent. His humor is like super dry and witty and he makes like incredible cultural references like 
very easily. So like he has a series where he'll read books recommended by celebrities. So like I read every book that Kendall Jenner recommended and then he'll talk about like their book taste and if they have good book taste. Absolutely. I think that's actually really, really dope. I definitely have to check that out. I've been getting really into reading. So that would be a cool place to get some nice recommendations. And that is for sure. One of the things that I did want to talk about this week for stuff I like this week was the new Loki episode. Now I haven't seen it yet, so I can't fully say that I like it. But at the same time, like I literally had to stay off of Twitter most of today because there were just so many trending items from like, I'd be clicking like random things like the new Spider-Man movie that that was trending on Twitter for me today. Literally the link went immediately to the Loki, like Loki spoilers. And I was like, oh no, 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 I don't want to see something. Like if it's going to be that good, it's related to Spider-Man in some respect. Like I am here for it. I think it's going to be sick. If you guys already haven't watched Loki and you guys are Marvel fanatics like myself, go watch it. Just, just go watch it. It's, it looks so good. And it's like, it's such a well-made show. Supposedly got renewed for a second season, meaning that it's not just a one-off by Marvel. So recommend it guys. Really, really recommend it. Interesting. Yeah, dude, I, I'm not really like that invested in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but anytime I have watched a movie from it, I've watched like all the Spider-Man ones and like Endgame. I've always really enjoyed them. So that's an awesome rec. Okay. My last recommendation for this week is Luke, please bleep out the word. Uh, by Bo Burnham. I don't know. It's from the his like Netflix special Inside. I was shooting a video yesterday. Every single thing was going wrong with it. Like the lighting wasn't working. Audio didn't record. C-Stand almost fell on me. And the song just came on and it like perfectly encapsulated the moment and like definitely added some humor to otherwise a stressful situation. So that's my last recommendation for this week. Very, very good recommendation. I don't have any more recommendations, guys. I do want to update one of my recommendations from last week, which was the show White Collar. I did find it streaming on Disney Plus. So if you guys do actually want to take that recommendation go check out the show it's streaming on disney plus i've been watching the seasons i'm on season three already so i clearly have a pretty bad bad addiction to these kind of shows but (laughs) definitely go check it out guys but with that all being said i'm pretty sure that's the end of the episode so i do want to say a huge thank you to adil constantine of course for our intro and outro music i want to give a huge shout out to luke fabricatori of course our amazing amazing editor luke i know you're listening to this because you kind of have to edit it thank you so much for everything (laughs) that you do for us really appreciate it man you've been really grinding out all the episodes on time and just making it so much easier for us to do this kind of stuff for you and if you guys haven't already checked out our Google form link down below in the show notes. Go check it out, guys. You guys have full access to letting us know what you want to hear on the podcast. Make sure to do that. Drop us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast and make sure to drop that follow like we've asked multiple times. 150 five-star ratings or just general ratings on Apple Podcast and we will be hosting a really, really cool Discord link for you guys just to have a nice chat with us at the end of the year. So let's try to make that goal, guys. Thank you so, so, so much for listening and we'll catch you 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central. Have an awesome week, guys. Happy Monday. Bye.